Praise the Lord, everyone. Man, it feels good in this place today. I'm going to take your attention to Acts chapter 14. I'm going to start at verse 8 and read through verse 20. I'll give you a second to get there. I want to just thank God who's the head of my life. Because I've been without him. And it's an old life to live. I want to thank him for my family. Thank him for this opportunity. Thank the pastor for this opportunity. Verse 8 says, And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak who steadfastly beholding him, perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. It's amazing with God how a man that never walked could skip walking and go straight to leaping. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in the speech of Lyconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas, Jupiter, and Paul, Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands unto the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people, which... When the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passion with you, and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness, in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, scarce restrain they the people, that they had not done sacrifice unto them. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. I want to take the next few moments to speak to you on this thought. The characteristics of a fighter. Pastor, would you pray with me, brother?
Lord bless you. You may be seated. The characteristics of a fighter. In the sport of boxing, there are many different characteristics that separate one fighter from another. Characteristics that separate a pretender from a contender. A puncher from a fighter. A wannabe from a winner. And a chump from a champ. One of the main and obvious qualities a fighter needs is the ability to pack a punch. They got to be able to throw a jab, a hook, an uppercut. They need a combination of punches. They need to be able to do a lot more than just come out and throw haymakers. You ever seen anybody come out just throwing haymakers? After about 30 seconds, their haymakers start to run out of hay. They begin to get tired. They start to wear down. And the ones that's throwing the combination of punches begins to take over the fight. Because the guy throwing haymakers don't know what kind of punch is coming next. He don't know if it'll be a jab or if it'll be a hook. He don't know what to expect. And I come to tell somebody today that the devil works the same way. He knows what to throw at you when you least expect it. He studied humanity for thousands of years. He knows how you'll respond to certain situations. He's working to predict your inability to flee from temptation and carnal desires. Ever since the garden, the enemy has been watching the response of humanity. As that serpent sat back and watched as Eve passed by that tree in the garden that God had forbidden them to eat from, every day her walk would begin to slow just a little. As she would glance out of the corner of her eye at that tree, then the, then the next day he watched as she stopped and she turned her complete attention to that tree. As she stood at the tree looking at the fruit, the devil knew by her behavior that the next thing that was going to happen is I'm going to tempt her and she's going to eat of the fruit. He saw the desire in her eye. He saw the way she would slow down as she passed that place in the garden. He knew the time she would pass that place in the garden. He knew the right time to engage her in conversation that would persuade her to eat of that tree and lead to the fall of humanity. He knew given the right circumstances how Eve would respond. He watched and waited for the perfect time to persuade Cain to kill Abel. He saw the envy in Cain's eye after God had accepted Abel's sacrifice and rejected his. He watched as the Bible says Cain's countenance fell. He looked and he saw something in the heart of Cain. He knew that his suggestions of killing his own brother was the only way to satisfy the anger that raged within him. And at that moment, the enemy nudged Cain and he slew Abel. He knew that Noah's neighbors wouldn't listen to the cry of Noah preaching that the flood was coming. He knew that Samson couldn't resist the temptation of Delilah. He knew that David couldn't fight off the temptation of Bathsheba. And he knew that given the opportunity that Judas would sell out the Savior for 30 pieces of silver. And I come to tell you today, the devil knows you better than you know yourself. He knows how you'll respond to certain situations. He knows when to throw a jab when you're expecting a hook. 
He knows you won't clap your hands because you just had an argument with your spouse. He knows you won't come to church because the basketball game's more important. He knows that you'll miss that prayer meeting because your dinner plans are more important. But I come to tell this body today, it's time to start throwing some jabs of your own. It's time to start throwing some hooks of your own. It's time to confuse the enemy. The only way you're going to beat the devil is you got to throw something at him that he doesn't see coming. Brother Tommy, when the devil tried to tell you that God wasn't real, he tried to convince you that you didn't even believe in God. But you got up that Sunday morning and you still made your way to the house of God anyhow. You began to confuse the enemy. When you walked up to the front of this church and you raised your hands in the air, you began to give God praise. You confused the enemy. He didn't know what to do when you walked through those doors on that Sunday morning. He didn't know what to do when you walked up to this front of this place and you started getting your hands in the air and giving God praise anyhow. He said, I've hit him with all I've got, but he came to the house of God anyhow. I've hit him with all that I've got, but he's got his hands in the air anyhow. He don't know what to do when he hits you with all that he's got, but you continue to praise God anyhow. He don't know what to do when he's hit you. We don't know what to do when he's hit you with all that he's got. But you speak the name of Jesus anyhow. Come on, somebody. It's time to confuse the enemy. Pastor, he didn't know what to do in that restaurant when your family's first reaction was to lay hands on Sister Bree. When they should have been panicking, but they were praying. Sister Peg, he didn't know what to do in that waiting room when they told us that Pop wasn't going to make it. He didn't know what to do when the entire family joined hands in that waiting room and began to call on the name of Jesus and every vital returned back to normal. Brother Carl, he didn't know what to do when you gathered in that parking lot to pray for Sister Kim. And because you didn't give up, because you didn't throw in the towel, because you confused the enemy, she sits here today. Come on, somebody. Things begin to change when you confuse the enemy. When you begin to do what he expects you not to, circumstances begin to change. Addictions begin to break. Depression has to leave. Diagnosis begin to turn around. I come to tell somebody in this place, it's time to confuse the enemy. I'm preaching to somebody in this place right now. He's got you right where he wants you. He's got you backed in a corner. You don't know which way to go, which way to turn. But I come to tell you today, it's time to confuse the enemy. If you can just get your hands in the air one more time. If you can just stand to your feet again one more time. If you can just make your way down to this altar one more time. Your situation can begin to change. Your circumstance can start to turn around. Come on, somebody. He don't know what to do when he hits you with all he's got, but your hands are in the air anyhow. He don't know what to do when he's gave you every reason to stay home, but you make your way to the house of God anyhow. It's time to confuse the enemy. When you stop doing what he expects you to do, that's when your circumstance will start to change. This walk with God, this relationship with God is nothing short of a fight. It's nothing short of a battle. And I come to tell you today that hell only fights what it fears. If it's been a while since you've been in a good fight, you might be doing something wrong. 
If it's been a while since you've been in a good fight, you might want to praise a little harder. If it's been a while since you've been in a good fight, you might want to worship a little harder. You might want to dance a little more. You might want to shout a little louder. You might want to be a little more faithful to the house of God. Because this is a fight. This is a battle. And the only way you're going to win is you've got to confuse the enemy. The first characteristic of a good fighter is being able to confuse the enemy. The second characteristic of a fighter I want to talk about today is the chin of a fighter. In the world of a fighter, you're either known to have an iron chin or you're known to have a glass jaw. Because the ability to throw a punch is only part of the equation. A good fighter needs to be able to take a punch. When the enemy catches you with your hands down, can you take the punch? What kind of chin do you have? Can you stay on your feet when you take the punch that you never saw coming? Or of even greater importance, when you've been knocked down, can you get back up again? Those that excel in every other area, they can throw a punch. They can throw an uppercut, a hook, a jab. They can bob. They can weave. But when the punch hits you that you never saw coming, can you get back up again? Come on, somebody, you may be able to bob and weave, but what separates the best from the rest is what do you do when the enemy sneaks one past your guard? What do you do when you're expecting a jab and he hits you with an uppercut? How do you respond when the enemy gets you by surprise, when he's got you laying on your back? What do you do? Do you get back up again or do you throw in the towel? I'm talking to some people here today that in the last few weeks, the enemy got a jab past your guard. You found your faith was rattled. But what makes the difference isn't the power of your punch, but what kind of chin do you have? Are you able to get back up again and declare to the enemy, rejoice not against me, O mine enemy, but because when I fall, I shall arise. Come on, somebody, the devil wants nothing more than to knock you down. He wants nothing more than to watch you lay there. The devil wants nothing more than to take the fight out of the church. That's what he tried to do with COVID. He tried to use COVID to knock the church down. But I come to tell him today, we've gotten back up again. We're not giving up. We're not throwing in the towel. We're not going to stop worshiping. We're not going to stop praising. We're not going to quiet down. We're not going to settle down. We're going to keep on giving God praise. Somebody needs to let the devil know right now, you might have got a shot on me, but you might have got the best of me, but you haven't seen the end of me. Come on, somebody, what kind of chin do you have? The old timers used to say, when I can't stand, I'm going to stand some more. And I come to tell you today, it's time for the church to stand up again. We've been laying on our backs far too long. It's time for the church to stand up and proclaim that he's still a healer. He's still working miracles. Come on, somebody, you want to see miracles? It's time to start believing in them again. You want to see healings? It's time to start believing in them again. The church has been knocked down long enough. It's time to get back up again. Verse 19, and there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, 
who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. Paul was stoned by the same people that just five verses earlier were calling him a god. Five verses earlier, revival was happening. Lives were being changed. And then all of a sudden, Paul was being stoned. And the only reason they stopped stoning was because they thought he was dead. Verse 20 says, but how be it? Paul rose up again. See, it was easy to stand up five verses earlier when revival was taking place. It was easy to stand when it felt like Paul was winning the fight. But then the tables turned and Paul finds himself laying on his back. And they only stopped throwing stones because they thought he was dead. At this point, the next thing you expect to read is Paul retired from the ministry. Paul continued to lay there. Or at the very least, Paul said it's not worth it anymore. But it doesn't say that. But the Bible says that Paul rose up again. And I come to ask breaking bread today. When the enemy sneaks one past you and you find yourself laying on the canvas, will you get back up again? Or will you lay there and say, it's not worth it anymore? If I just lay here, I won't have to face that again. If I just lay here, I won't have to feel that again. If I just lay here, I won't have to go through that again. Or do we have some Pauls in this house today that'll stand up and say, you might have knocked me down, but I'm getting back up again. You might have slipped one past me, but I'm getting back up again. I wish somebody would tell the devil right now, you might knock me down, but you'll never knock me down more times than I'll get back up. Come on, somebody. Are you just going to lay there on the canvas or are you going to get back up again? Are you going to let the addiction overtake you or are you going to get back up again? Are you going to let the depression overtake you or are you going to get back up again? Don't you let the devil tell you since you messed up, you're done. Just get back up again. Don't let him tell you it's not worth it. Just get back up again. Don't let him tell you that you'll never make it. Just get back up again. He can't win unless you lay there. So get back up again. He can't beat you unless you lay there. As long as you get back up, you will win the fight. Romans 8 and 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things... We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we read that word conqueror, in verse 37, in our English version, we might think that Paul's just saying that God intends for us to win. 
But if that was what he meant to say, he would have used the Greek word Nike, which simply means to be victorious. Or he could have used the word Pyrrhic, which means to win, but at a great cost. Yes, I made it, but it cost so much, I'm not sure it was worth it. But that's not the word that Paul used. But the word he uses is the word hypernicomen, which doesn't only mean to win, but it means to defeat surpassingly. But Paul didn't leave it at that. He said, we're going to do more than do that. Because God wanted you to know that this isn't a nail-biter victory. This isn't a nail-biter salvation. This fight isn't coming down to the wire. But God wanted it to be clear-cut convincing No doubt about it. I will be victorious. Come on, somebody. God's not intending for you to barely make it through this fight, but he intends for you to win by a margin of victory. Somebody needs to make it known today. It's already been decided. There's no doubt about it. I'm going to come out of this, and I'm going to be victorious. I wish somebody would tell the devil right now, it's not the end of the fight. It's just the end of the round, and I'm coming out next round swinging. You may have got that round, but the next one belongs to me. The fight belongs to me. The victory belongs to me because I'm more than a conqueror. Come on, breaking bread. The devil wants to take the fight out of this place. He wants to silence the church. But I come to tell him today that we're not going to quiet down. We're not going to stop praising. We're not going to stop worshiping. We're not going to stop dancing. We're not going to stop shouting, but we're going to praise even harder. We're going to shout even louder. We're going to worship even more because we're more than a conqueror. Come on, somebody. He didn't call this place to be a bunch of buzzer beater Christians. This isn't a buzzer beater apostolic church, but this is an apostolic church that's destined to win. This is an apostolic church that's not going to throw in the towel. We're not going to settle down. We're not going to quiet down because we're called to conquer. You may knock me down, but I'm getting back up again. I'm not throwing in the towel because I'm more than a conqueror. The final characteristic I want to talk about today is the ability to finish the fight. Because a good fighter knows that the finish is worth the fight. In 2 Timothy 4 and 7, Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Paul described his relationship with God as nothing other than a fight. He could have described it as anything else, but he chose to describe it as a fight. Because living for God is a constant fight. It's a never-ending battle. But Paul didn't just say he fought the fight, but he said he also finished it. Because he knew that the finish is worth the fight. The fight might be tough down here, but one day the finish will be worth the fight. He never said it was going to be easy. He never said everything was going to be the way you want it to be. But he said that he is for me. 
And if he is for me, who can be against me? Come on, church, it's not time to shy away from the fight. It's not time to run from adversity. Because if he is for you, he's greater than the whole world against you. It might be tough down here right now. Right now might be a struggle. But one day the finish is going to be worth the fight. Paul said, even though I've been in a fight, even though I've been stoned, even though I've been shipwrecked, even though I've been in prison, even though I've been bitten by a viper, even though I'm still fighting right now, I know there's a finish line coming. And when I get there, I know that the finish will be worth the fight. Can I tell somebody in this place right now, every sleepless night is worth the finish. Every time you cry, it's worth the finish. Every time you fall down and have to get up again, it's worth the finish. It may not seem like it right now, but one day when you walk on streets of gold, it's going to be worth it all. When you see Jesus face to face and he wipes those tears away, then you'll know that the finish was worth the fight. Come on, somebody. Every marital problem, every health problem, every financial problem, one day the finish will be worth the fight. I wish somebody would say right now, I'm not giving up. I'm not backing down. I'm not running from the fight. Come on, somebody. David didn't run when he saw Goliath. Daniel didn't run from the lion's den. The Hebrew boys didn't run from the fire because they knew that the finish would be worth the fight. As the musicians come. Every person in this room today is fighting a different battle. Some are in a financial battle. Some are having problems in their marriage. Some are having health problems. Some are fighting for their salvation. I don't know what kind of problem you're having today, but I do know that he's bigger than them all. So it doesn't matter the kind of fight you're in. It doesn't matter the size of the battle you're going through. It doesn't even matter how long the battle's been going on. All that matters is he's able. But he's waiting on you to move. Can you just raise your hands and thank him right now? Because the devil doesn't expect you to thank him. Can you just raise your hands and praise him right now? The devil doesn't expect you to praise him. Can you just lift your voice and worship him right now? Because it's the last thing the devil expects from you. Confuse the enemy right now. He thinks he's got you in a place that you're about to give up. Oh, but tell him you're not giving up, but you're about to get up. He don't know what to do right now. He didn't expect you to be standing in this place today. The last thing he expects you to do is proclaim victory over your circumstance. But you're here because you're a fighter. Let him know you're not giving up. You're not throwing in the towel. You're going to get your family back. You're going to get your worship back. You're going to get your praise back. You're going to get your ministry back. I don't know what you came to get victory over today, but he does. And he's ready to give it to you. But you just got to confuse the enemy and get yourself back up again.